This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay. And in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week are Tina Amini. Hello, Damon Hatfield. Sam Claiborne. Hey, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I've let Rocket into the garage, and he is exploring like crazy right now. Special special treat for Rocket. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There he is. And Justin Davis. Scoop. Here as well. I have no cute cat in my shot. Not yet. No, that's true. The door's shut, though, so... (laughs) <laughs> cats the way is shut cats, cats shall not pass yeah. find speak, a way speak meow and enter mm-hmm. <laughs> we've got a great show for you this week we're going to uh, share the games we're excited about right now someone out there re- wrote into us that he's having a hard time being excited about any, cup, any, any upcoming game so we're going to share the games that we're excited to play right at this moment uh, another one another email wrote in to ask how have our gaming habits changed as we've grown up and matured as gamers? I thought that was an interesting topic. But first, we're recording this on Thursday, April 15th. And this Saturday, April 17th, is my 15-year anniversary oh at IGN. Goodness. That's crazy. Congratulations, Dan. 15 amazing. 15 years. Now, did you do Game Scoops all 15 years? Yes. Uh, From your first year, that was one of your first things you did? We started in June. I was hired in really? April. We started GameScoop in June. That means I've been hosting this show for 15 years, and I know that there are some of you out there that have been listening since the very beginning for 15 years. Wow. We need a, an old Define Me Damon shot that says, <laughs> it's been 15 years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, congratulations, yeah. Damon. It's an yeah. amazing achievement. And Thank just you. the body of work and just all the 
I don't know. Like, I don't even know where to start. Like, you started on the news team, right? And then moved over Mm -hmm. to do Xbox Live Arcade stuff and then full-time hosting duties. It's been amazing and awesome. I I remember listening before at least the 100 mark, for sure, because I was listening, you know, not working here in 2006, 2007, I guess. Is that right? 2006 is when I started, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so pretty early on. Early podcasts, too. Podcasts were not, like, a giant thing at that time. Now, yeah, there was um, one up had its podcast. This is going to keep happening. <laughs> <laughs> I think GameSpot had a podcast too, but like uh, IGN had like only they didn't have a, a full like a weekly podcast at that point. They had just like done one offs, like a podcast mm-hmm. from E3, something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, mean, interesting. Yeah. This yeah. is all very confusing to me because obviously this is the only video game podcast out there. So yeah, it is. Just, yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is surprising after 15 years. You'd think somebody would catch on and try one out. No one wanted to go up against Damon Hatfield. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we got Dan, it right how the long, first time. How long did you have to work here before you felt like you had any idea what you were doing? Because it took me six months. The first six, six months, months are just there's definitely I, like definitely like a long period of imposter syndrome, and also just like you know I was an IGN fan for years mm-hmm. uh, before I, I, I worked here, so like I couldn't even believe that I like got hired to work at this place, this website that I loved, and like. Man, what a privilege. I, I still, to this day, feel so lucky that I've been able to turn my passion for video games into a career. I, it's sometimes still unbelievable to me sometimes. It's, here, here. it's funny uh, that you say that you, you, know, you started off as a fan and you, yeah. you uh, coming into IGN because a lot of people say that when they join the company. Um, but they say that about you too, Damon. They get starstruck mm-hmm. uh, coming in and, and seeing you for mm-hmm. the first time. All it's, casual. It's very, sitting yeah, it's at very your intimidating. <laughs> That's <a good> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, very. Not to laugh at that too much. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, There's, I I think Justin's joking. Yeah, no, obviously I'm joking. Um, (laughs) We uh, we hear a lot, you know, as an IGN fan from from folks that we hire, you know, in in uh, content roles or just across the org. Um, I worked as a games journalist before joining IGN and was not an IGN fan. IGN was the enemy before I worked here. (laughs) Ah, Um, yes. Not in like a mean, contentious way, but you know, like I was, we was working at competing places, and um, I was very surprised and impressed with how friendly and nice and um, pleasant everyone that works here is. And um, it was different than what I thought it was be would be in the most like uh, positive, amazing way possible. I would say. I think you know I've I've worked here for fifteen years. I, I and uh, before this, I was like doing uh, like sketch comedy in Chicago and playing in a band. So this is like my only real job I've ever had. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think working at IGN is very different from other workplaces. When I talk to other people, like, <laughs> you know, the like I've made, I've made many lifelong friendships at IGN and like real friends that I like, enjoy spending time with outside of work. And I talk to other people and they're just like, man, I can I couldn't imagine hanging out with my coworkers outside of work. I mean, that's what happens when all of your job is just to play video games all day. So, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's all we yeah, do. You play, you play, 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 play. Just keep on I playing. wish. <laughs> there was a time in which I played a lot of games at work. Like, I've had j- versions of my job in which I played games at work, but they were like intense, you know, writing strategy guide days and stuff like that. There's Sami. Mm-hmm. Sami. Oh, my goodness. I love that. Um, but yeah, it's been a long time. Cat eye face. It's like Sami is the... Uh, this is kind of sad. Uh, Sami's the third cat I've had since I started at IG. Oh, no. Aww. Yeah. yeah. She's a good one. Uh, when I started here, the PlayStation 3 and the Wii were not out yet. They, mm-hmm. they wow. wouldn't be out until that holiday season. Yeah, I seem to remember you mocking the Wii relentlessly on the ramp up to its release. I don't Personally. know about that. 
Uh, I yeah, you were not you were not excited about it. We'll we'll get a fat check from the guy okay. that just listened to all the episodes. That's true. Um, <laughs> I, I'm uh, reading the Iwata Ask Iwata book yeah. right now, and um, th- there's a you know a lot of it's about DS Wii because that's when he was like really doing mm-hmm. face of the company stuff. Even though he was kind of around before then, obviously doing other things, including working on video games at HAL. But um, he uh, one of the cool facts that I've pulled out of there so far that I never knew is that Nintendo was planning on making the Wii around the TV culture at the time, which was that for, they said in the eighties, everybody got their own TVs. So like kids would have a TV in their bedroom. Like in my, in my opinion, those are bad kids until I got one. And then I was like, this is cool. (laughs) Uh, But you know, there was a TV, a little TV in like every room. So people were separate, but then they're like, when the flat screen TVs first started coming out and they first started getting cheap, they got bigger and and they gave you the, your living room two things. One, a big TV that everybody could watch and also more space. Mm-hmm. And so they designed the Wii around those concepts. That's, That's pretty smart. Now you think it's smart, but remember he said this afterwards and yeah. then they made the Wii U, right? So, I mean, <laughs> I don't know, but, but it, it was, it's actually like the, the logic that he, he talks about with the Wii and that was like, that was like a really cool thing. That's very Nintendo to think about it that way. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, just I'm very excited. I have a copy of that book. It just arrived today, and I'm really excited to start reading it and really look up to Awada. And um, I'm just I, I don't know. I think I've the anecdotes that I've read and um, the write ups I've read about it have gotten me really jazzed to dig into it. Yeah. I have, yeah. Reviews say he seems like he was a great guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the yeah. A lot of it's about about friend. Unfortunately, a lot of it's about how friendly and cool he is, and him talking about mm-hmm. you know friendships and stuff like that instead of like the dirt on why you know development of Kirby or whatever, mm-hmm. which is what I want to hear. Yeah, Earthbound. <laughs> yeah. There's Earthbound dirt. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, thank you so much for everyone that's uh, been uh, tuning into the show over the years. It's my great. Uh, privilege and pleasure to make the show every week and i have no intention of stopping it anytime soon let's go another <laughs> let's go another 15 years but uh, now we can outvote you so we'll see, we'll see <laughs> i don't think we could stop you if we tried <laughs> we have three votes to his one you know, it could be something i do in like you could podcast in retirement maybe it's mm-hmm. just something i'll do I mean, we could build a Damon AI that would take over long after your demise. That's true. It would be like, what's up, everybody? (laughs) Well, we we have that soundboard still somewhere, so at least there'll be an element of Damon living on. Yeah, we could deep fake you already, buddy. (laughs) It's probably already happened. Um, That was the plan from the beginning. Okay, uh, our first big topic this week it comes from an email, so let's go ahead and check. Wait, but first, I got to put the cat away. I'm super worried about him. Okay. One second. Okay, well, can I read the email while you do that? Yeah, okay. you can do it. Okay, so let's go ahead and check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Listeners, remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at ign.com, just like Matthew Parrish did. And he says, being born in the early 80s, like some of the crew, I've been around games for a while, and I feel like I... Haven't been hyped for a game in a long while. I can only imagine how you guys feel being at your profession and always being around games. So just wondering, do you still get hyped for games? What games are you hyped for right now? Only thing on my radar is the Hogwarts RPG. And that was Matthew Parrish. Mm. 
Um, yes, yeah. definitely still get hyped uh, for yeah. games. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there's always a certain element of we're going to have to cover it in this way and that way. And you kind of have to separate your brains to say the work half of me is thinking this about this game. And the, you know, the gamer half of me is thinking this other thing. So now when I play games, I have a notepad right on my phone to write down a bunch of notes to talk about them in game scoop or to talk with our leads about. So it, it does take away some of, some of that just to a degree. Um, but I can rattle off a list yeah. of games I'm yeah. looking what, forward to. What games to. are you excited about right now, Tina? Um, I would say, I think weirdly the, the top of the list is the mass effect trilogy. Mm-hmm. And that's just because I want an excuse to revisit that game. And mm-hmm. this seems like the perfect excuse. Cause I don't love revisiting games in general. Um, so if it's remade and some of the, the combat and the gameplay is a little bit different, it's going to feel like a fresh experience. And then maybe this time around, my love interest won't die Oh no! Uh, while I pursue that story. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. That's top of the list. And then not- this episode of GameScoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. One in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com gamescoop. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. Number two... Um, is Back for Blood. I don't know Ooh. how well a Left for Dead-like is going to go, just because mm. the last time that we talked about a Left for Dead-like, it did not catch on uh, in popularity. But I'm hoping that Back for Blood is that sort of Left for Dead 3 that we're never going to get. At least. And then there's a couple at, others. Well, at least this um, Left for Dead-like is made by Left for Dead developers. Mm-hmm. Exactly, so. yeah. Which there was, a, there was a little bit of that um, also with, I'm forgetting the name of the game. What was it? Evolve? Evolve, yeah. Oh, yes. right. 
Turtle. Yeah, there there were a few people on that team as well, but this this does seem like more in earnest uh, that original development team. So mm-hmm. that's why I have it number two on my list. Um, that, that and one, then I'm sure mm-hmm. before we uh, move down the list, that was supposed to be out in June, but it got delayed. Is it October now? I think yeah, it's like later. It might be August. Oh, okay. Um, it got delayed out of June. It did. Okay. Yes, that did happen. Okay, please it's definitely continue. later in the year. Um. You make me really want to quickly surface <laughs> what the there's date no, is. I can't no find it quickly. This this is journalism. This is how it works. <laughs> it's October. You're right. It's October 12th. I found it. <laughs> I feel vindicated. Yes, yes, you that, were good. That's a late release date to have. In October, yeah, and not quite exactly that like one holiday of, gotta release. Got to be one of the latest that we have this year. I, I like, I've picked <laughs> up on, like, Damon, that's a game you always like to play that's now bled over to me of, like, what's the latest official full date for something that we know? And October's out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other other worthy mentions, Resident Evil Village. Yes. Um, that was Far on Cry my list. 6. That was I on figured. my list, too. I figured. Also, Deathloop. Actually, uh, Deathloop is a good one. It's funny you mentioned that because there, there's a Resident Evil presentation happening in just a few minutes while we record mm-hmm. this episode. So that's why we can't uh, address any of that. But um, this is, you know, continues to look very, very cool. Sam, I know this is one that is on your radar as well. It's probably on your list. Yeah, I made a list. Were we talking about how lists are weird? Yeah. How just lists in general are weird? All right. Yeah, I just yeah. came back in with those. Yeah, that's fine. I, I actually made a, a list too because I, there's some indie games I wanted to include. And um, I want to do a little bit of research, especially after the Nintendo Indies direct this week. Um, there's just there's just more games out there that I forget about. But just so many of them don't have dates. That's the issue, right? Like Tunic, for example, is like something I'm excited for. But no idea when that game is coming out. Yeah. Um, another cat. Uh, by the way, the cat was on top of Burger Time when I found him, which is really funny. Of course. Of course yeah. he was. Um, so, wait, wait. Did, <laughs> he, did, we, did we go through all of Tina's games? Yes, okay. all good. Okay. Please oh, sorry. Continue. Yeah, yeah. Please continue. Okay. Just making sure. I, okay. Uh, Biomutant is... Uh, well, I'm going to leave off the ones that Tina mentioned because they're actually all on my list, so that's good. Uh, Biomutant is one at the end of May that I'm looking forward to, um, especially after some uh, reporting, previewing that we've done of that. Like, it just seems like... They talked about Breath of the Wild. Yep. In the same... The know, Magic the developers words. did. The Magic Words. That was cool. Um, but uh, Mario Golf, I'm interested in, in June. Uh, depending mm-hmm. on the complexity of those games, they, you know... Uh, from what I understand, it can be really good. I've only played early once. So excited for this one. That's on yeah, the I know people. Well. This, this one's Dude. Uh, Mario Golf Super Rush. Yeah. Mario Golf, I think you can, um, like, I think on Twitter, you can see my excitement in real time. Like, oh, this looks pretty good. Like, I hope it has a good campaign mode. And then the second half of the trailer was them showing off this huge, elaborate, like, RPG mode, like, this full on yeah. campaign in it, like, leveling up yeah. your golfer. And I'm like, hot damn. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. And, and I just played Golf Story last year, which I really liked. Yeah. And so I'm into the golf PGs. Real quick, as an yeah. aside, Justin, have you uh, checked out Clap Hands Golf? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great. If, if, you, if everyone doesn't know, there's a new, basically a new Hot Shots golf game on Apple Arcade called Clap Hands oh. Golf. Uh, wow. Adjusted for touch controls, and it's great. It's just like they're every, cornering the market on golf games. Everybody's on, uh, golf game on, a, Apple. on Apple Arcade, yeah. And it's one wow. of those rare examples of touch controls in a golf game are actually very clever because, like, you know, the pulling back and swiping, yeah. like, it's not just trying to time, like, a button press as a reticle moves around. Like, it, it, the swiping feels very natural. Yeah, it's great. There's some serious cat love going on right now. It's <laughs> adorable. I wish you guys um, could see more of it. <laughs> uh, and then I have the Final Fantasy VII update, which is on June 10th. Wow, I'm um, going to play that. 
Yeah, because I still need to finish Final Fantasy VII, and because uh, you know there's the DLC stuff too. So I, I think it's a good opportunity to to hop back in. And then uh, I'm excited for the Alex Kid remake. It's like uh, um, everything looks cool about that. And I know we had the exclusive reveal and trailer of that last summer um, as part of our summer of gaming coverage, and it was like my, my favorite thing out of summer of gaming. Like it just looks like a really cool platformer, um, old school style. It's it's a remake, but you know it just looks lovely. And I think that one is. Uh, at least a really uh, complicated platformer. If not, I don't think it goes full Metroidvania, but something about that series reminds me of, um, well, anyway. Um, Wait, so you, uh, you didn't play the Alex Kidd games back in the day, did you? Yeah, I mean, I played them um, in emulated form at mm-hmm. some point. Yeah. I just, I, I, uh, I played them, but they, I've never been super impressed with them as well. Yeah, exactly. And that's a, this one I know is good already. And then the remake just looks like really, really cool. Um, so the uh, uh, Skyward Sword HD is in July and uh, don't like that game, um, but uh, would really like it on my Switch. I don't know why I feel that way, but I will absolutely give it another shot. And that's a game where, um, first of all, I wrote the guide and it's really, really complica- complicated and good. Um uh, I really like doing that guide, but I would play that game again without having re- writing the guide. I think I might enjoy it more. And then also I probably will use the guide to skip through the parts I don't like very much. So what people like about that game is that, you know, first of all, there's no open worldy things. It's like very um, parceled off encapsulated exploration areas. So it doesn't feel very Zelda-y. Um, but uh, there's really good dungeons and I don't really particularly like dungeons. So I, I kind of want to revisit those and see if I can get more enjoyment out. That's Real my quick. list. Real quick, you know what else is coming to Nintendo Switch that was announced recently? A House of the Dead remake yeah. mm-hmm. from the original <laughs> arcade. Right. Yeah. yeah, we talked about that like yeah. five episodes ago. So Yeah, exactly. And, and I think it was the 20 <laughs> questions, and it was uh, a part of what, what is Dave, what's Damon's hint now? Hmm? Just remember the what? meta. The meta. Oh, yeah, the meta. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, well, Nintendo remembered the meta. I haven't seen what the House of the Dead remake looks like yet. Does it, is it look like a 90s arcade uh, rail shooter? I didn't check a trailer or anything. Did anyone else? Yeah, it does. Yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> and it and you know it uses the left Wii joystick pointer controls. Yeah. Which you know, I that's the only thing that has pointer controls on the on the or on the Switch. I mean, and um, yeah, that should be interesting. Sam, is it cheating to use a guide if you wrote the guide? I mean, it's never cheating to use a guide. It's just it's just good. I agree it is you. weird, though. I, I don't remember a single word, I'll tell you that much. Like, I, I have to look up the edits or the byline on things that I wrote from uh, from 10 years ago, for sure. But but we're talking, you know, I've written things for 13, 14, 15 years now. And, like, I have no idea what I wrote back then. So it's crazy. Have you ever That's what used, happens to your reviews. Have you ever used one of your own guides to play through a game? Like, revisiting it later or something like that? When would that have occurred? This is a really good example of that. If I was playing, I bought Mario 3D World, and I could use that to like get all the stamps in it, but I didn't try. No, not yeah. that I can think of. There's definitely times in which I've taken notes for a guide, and I'm really into the game, and I just like before the game's out or whatever, and I'm like constantly referring to my own notes about like stats or like you know like weaknesses in Pokemon or something like that. Like that's that's a reason I'll use my guide in real time. I've but definitely thank God I wrote this down. I've definitely read news stories that I've written to refresh my memory about news. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've done that for sure. And then also if I review something, we're like. You know, I'm reviewing the next thing in the series. I'll go back and read my old reviews and stuff like that for sure. Justin, what's on your list of games you're excited about right now? 
I have a few. I mean, many of the ones has obviously heavy overlap. A couple that have not been mentioned yet are Far Cry Six. Um, Tina did mention that, but yeah, that's that's a good. Oh, point. How dare oh, you? Not we didn't like, talk about it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I, you know, I actually don't love the Far Cry series. Well, I mean, I do, but I get like burnt out on that formula of game. But it's been a while. Like, there's a long enough gap between them now that I'm like, yep, I'm ready to go. Ready for more of this, you know, outpost scouting and just that style of game. And Jean-Paul Esposito. And and actually another one, that, mm-hmm. another one that falls into that exact category is uh, Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga. Oh like, yeah, another game that was delayed. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Like a lot of these 2021 games, I think that we're due for more delays. Like so many studios are still working from home and still experiencing, you know, production uh, trouble. That like that game claims to be coming out in spring, but I'm like, well, you know, we'll see. Um, but like, I don't like the Lego games. They're like every other year, I'll play a Lego game and have the best time. But then it's like, okay, I'm good for like a while, and I don't mm-hmm. need to re up with more Lego games again. Um, and two more real quick that I wanted to highlight are Halo Infinite, where, um, mm. man, it's true that that game was rough when they showed it off. But, like, I don't I don't care what a Halo game looks like. Like, their gameplay is best of breed, and, like, that's the style of shooter that appeals to me more. Um, a little bit more variety and a little bit more sandboxy. That's what I'm really looking for in a shooter. And I'm so happy to see, you know, Halo being brought back to the forefront again. Um, 100% from- same, Justin. Like okay. I, 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 when I saw the like, yes, people were commenting that it was rough, but honestly, my first instinct was this. This looks like what I remember it to be, and it's not mm-hmm. the, the nostalgia factor and the reminder of like what a perfect blend of gameplay those games, those especially the early ones were. Like that was enough for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it, I was doing some reflecting on this gen. I guess it's last gen now because we're in next gen. Next gen is now this gen. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, like what games really stood out to me is like, in my opinion, I'm going to be still thinking about 10 years or 20 years from now. And for me, it was God of War is like, I think it's probably my favorite game from last gen. Um, and so God of War Ragnarok, like we still don't know very much about it. Like they're still keeping pretty tight lipped about it, but it has to be like, that's the one where like that, when that gets revealed in earnest, like I'm going to be absolutely glued to every second that they show off and just, I'm, I'm so so excited to learn more about what how they're how they're evolving that series or that reboot, I guess. Damon, did you beat God of War a second time? Mm-hmm. You beat it, huh? Yeah, yeah. It was great. I highly recommend it. It looks amazing on PS5, and it already looks yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of these games are on my list. Uh, in the most near most immediate future is Resident Evil Village, uh, and then uh, Mario Golf Super Rush on June 25th. I can't wait for that. Uh, a couple that haven't been mentioned is Blaster Master Zero 3 on <laughs> July 29th. The Blaster Master Zero games are way better than they have any right to be. They're from any creates. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love them. The first two games are great. Uh, and they're, they're more like uh, they're more like retro Metroidvania games, Sam. Yeah, and the numbering is hilarious. Zero one, zero two, zero three. Yeah. Uh, and then stuff that doesn't have a release date, again, Far Cry 6, I'm a little bit surprised we still don't know when that game is coming out, because it was announced last mm-hmm. summer, it's supposed to be out in February. Right. No update on when that date is. However, Ubisoft just con- did confirm they have their event um, during E3. What does mm-hmm. Ubisoft call its own directs or state of plays again? Forward. Nobody knows. <laughs> what, what was it, Tina? I mean, nobody. <laughs> um, it's called Ubisoft Forward. Yeah. Ubisoft Forward, yeah. They did announce that for E3, so I would hope at least by then we'll know mm-hmm. when we can play Far Cry 6. God of War Ragnarok, of course. And then the last one is, um, maybe Justin would appreciate this the most. I've never played Diablo 2. Mm. So mm. Diablo 2 Resurrected. 
Yeah, it's on my radar. That's kind of interesting to me as well. Um, what system would you play it on? Uh, on, on either my uh, PS5 or Switch. I played Diablo three on PS5 and Switch. Okay. Do you have Do you have a trackball attachment? <laughs> I don't need it. They they really uh, act, action yeah. RPG'd it. Diablo's Diablo's great on consoles. They really figured out the dual stick controls. Yeah, Yeah. look, man. Oh, okay, here we go. (laughs) I don't even want to say it out loud because the comments are going to be so mean. Like, it's in vogue to hate on Diablo 3 and to love Diablo 2 because Diablo 2 is gritty and dark and bleak. And it's like, you know, you're invading the depths of hell. And, like, that's the storyline of that game. And Diablo 3 is a lot more bright and colorful and... um. Uh, you know so so that's that's how opinions have shifted but in my opinion the gameplay of diablo 3 like it's unbelievable it's absolutely unmatched just the depth of the character builds and um, i played witch doctor and like there's like 10 different viable ways you can you can construct your witch doctor that all played completely differently from one another and like i don't think any sort of top-down clicky action rpg has ever surpassed Diablo three. And, um, you know, the stuff that people say about the art is true. Um, but, but that's all anybody ever wants to talk about. Um, and the failed auction house, and they don't want to talk about how well that game nails the fundamentals and the, and the core gameplay loop is, I mean, it's perfect. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious to hear what you think about Diablo two. Like it does have one of the best atmospheres of any game ever made. Like it deserves to be praised for that, but like that, I don't know, man, like it's an old game compared to Diablo three. So I'm. Yeah. I'll be curious to hear what you think. It's not. It's not a straight port, though, right? It's Diablo two resurrected, and I think hopefully they're polishing it up a little bit so it plays better today. It's just one of those PC games from a time when I've said this before. I, I didn't have a PC growing up, uh, so there's just like uh, these. I was definitely like as I read magazines, I was aware of these big PC games that I didn't have access to, mm-hmm. and that was one. Of Same. Them. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah. talk about that in the next question. Mm. Oh, interesting. Well, let's move on right along then. That's a good segue. Uh, this is Jamie in Yorkshire, UK. Uh, they say, I've recently taken on some temporary work where I was able to listen to podcasts while on the job. I took the opportunity to listen to a few GameScoop episodes from around 10 years ago. It's interesting to hear how the podcast has matured from an almost anarchic frat boy product to the thoughtful, <laughs> considered, and dare I say, intelligent commentary that each of you bring to us today. <laughs> Thank God. But always with Damon at the helm. Uh, anarchic is a good way to describe the old, uh, the old game scoops. I don't know about frat boy, but of course, Greg Miller was a big presence on the show. And he was famously <laughs> was in a fraternity and brought some of that energy, I guess. But it's, it's not actually a fraternity. Yeah. <laughs> It's an association (laughs) of whatever. We can move on. Uh, (laughs) This got me to thinking, I'm a gamer of advancing years. I'm 45. My first console was the venerable Atari 2600. And my tastes in gaming have changed over the years from quickfire, points-based, arcade-em-ups, through text adventures on my Acorn Electron to strategy and turn-based RPG games that allow me time to think now that my teenage kids make fun of my dismal and decreasing reaction times. My question is, how have your tastes changed as you've matured as people? Do you still enjoy everything you enjoyed as a younger gamer? If your tastes have changed, was it a conscious decision, or did you simply drift towards something else, which then became your new thing? Are Damon's bullet hell skills dampened? Is Sam still as skilled at pinball? Are diminishing skills inevitable as we age, therefore forcing a change in tastes? Or is it just that most of us don't have the time to hone these skills as real life takes up more and more time? Hmm. Lots interesting. of interesting questions there. Yeah, interesting question. Um, I think I think of it less as 
a different style um, and more as a different habit now. Cause I'm like less obsessed with first person shooters. I used to like any first person shooter. I would play the hell out of it. Uh, it came from an early like counter-strike obsession. So less interested in that. I need a little bit more something interesting with the gameplay that does something different, the setting, something different, uh, a little bit more sci-fi, let's say like a halo mm-hmm. um, or a dead space or something, even though this third person, that's not a first person shooter, but you guys get what I'm saying. Um, and the story like has to really support the gameplay. Whereas before I would be totally fine with that one more round kind of a gameplay feeling where you're just playing with your friends. And the same goes for, I still love, RPGs, but I don't think I would ever touch World of Warcraft again. And I played that thing for two years straight endlessly. So I think it's more about the habit of not wanting to obsessively play something almost solely to hang out with my gamer friends within those Mm -hmm. communities. Uh, And now I'm a little bit more focused on picking up a story and ending that story, uh, finishing and experiencing the gameplay that that specific game offers and moving on. Sam, how about you? It's, I, I mean, I haven't reflected this much on this in my entire life, and it's alarming how similar my tastes are to when I was eight years old. That's what I was going to say. And it's not flattering. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something similar, yeah. I think, I mean, maybe it's, it's partly because the games that we were playing and loved as kids are like, a lot of them are still being made today. Like, the series yeah. are still around. I was saying, like, fi- Final Fantasy was my favorite game when it came out. One. Final yeah. Fantasy one. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and even, like, the game... <laughs> relevant. The way that games and, looked back then, that pixel art has sort of come full circle. Yeah. So I much like that of it too. now, too. It's like, I'm still being yep. served that. All, and I've had periods in my life in which I love playing exactly what Tino was talking about, uh, uh, multiplayer with friends. Uh, so yeah, and now I'm back to what I liked when I was a kid, which I just like being alone and playing games. I really liked, like, I still like this. I like getting up on a Saturday and a Sunday, first thing, and playing games. And like, that's what I did while watching Saturday morning cartoons. We I just rent a game on the weekend from High V in Iowa City, represent. And, um, <laughs> And, uh, and you know, that, that would be what I'd play that weekend. And I love playing a lot of so my friends would come over sometimes, but like, yeah, that's, that's what's still what I do. That's the mode I go into. What's nice about being in the industry is that I've been, um, you know, I've been interested in, in broadening my perspectives and my horizons and what I really enjoy. And so I try so much more and I do all this other stuff. But if I was just buying games right now, I would totally stick to the mainline Nintendo games and the big triple A's I've been playing forever. Hmm. Justin, how about also, you? I want to correct something real quick. There, I only I just got into pinball. I, I was never into pinball. I hated it. That was so boring. I go to <laughs> pinball. I go to these conventions, which we've been to, California Extreme, and I'd play the arcade games all the time. And I've like I love history and arcade games and everything. And then like my friend group all got really into pinball, and they're so much better than me that I hate playing pinball with them, and I'm not good at it. And so like I like fixing and restoring and running machines, but uh, I'm I'm still pretty bad at pinball. <laughs> Nah, that's Maybe a that's a relative judgment, I would say. Because yeah. I bet <laughs> I have my sure moments. you're better than anyone here, and probably anyone that listens to this show. Yeah, but I wouldn't want to play for that reason. I'd want to play with you all to, to make you better, mm. or play with you. You know, like like it's never been a. I don't like the competition of it as much as other people. I see. Speaking of competition, that's what, uh, in regards to our diminishing skills, inevitable as we age. Yeah. Uh, I think that's only really a problem if you're playing competitively. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I can still play uh, the same bullet hole shooters I was playing in the 90s. Uh, mm-hmm. Still clear them on just a 
two or three credits maybe you do have the added in like i'm i, I could have a drink and try this and yeah. that's that's a that's a whole different thing yeah, right and so like then, now when i'm like you got diminishing skills <laughs> yeah it's interesting right it's like i love again like playing in arcades and playing arcade games and stuff it's like it's even better with a few beers but like after a certain point like i know how good i am at donkey kong and i know what i'm like one beer in i get a little bit better for a little bit and then oh, yeah. Just falls off after that. It's, yeah. two, it's, two, it's a pretty interesting. One drink, two steady. drinks, three drinks. Yeah. <laughs> Justin, how about you? All right. Yeah. Oh, Justin, we lost your audio. I say I was worried about that. Can you hear me now? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I thought my headset was doing something weird for a sec. Um. Yeah. So I have a, a couple interesting perspectives on this. I moved recently, and so a lot of video games, all my video games, have been in storage for a long time, and I got them out. And it was uh, so much fun going through my game collection and seeing, um, you know, NES and SNES and on up to PS1 and PS2. And what I learned through that process is that um, I was a lot more hardcore then than I am now. (laughs) Um, I'm a lot more casual gamer. Like, I feel like teenage me would look at current me really enjoying Mario (laughs) and God of War and Halo and would be like, oh. Because I was importing a lot of games from Japan and playing just like, uh, you know, some of my favorite games from back then were games like, um, you know, Vibribbon or Res, or, um, you know, I, I remember importing Mr. Driller from Japan and yeah. DJ Max Portable for my PSP for, from Japan. And like, that's what I was spending all my time doing um, was, was playing those kinds of games, like really, really hardcore, uh, in-depth, um, uh, just like weirder stuff. The hard stuff yeah. is what I was into back then. And um I still actually like those games and admire them, but um, more from afar. And the games that I actually spend my time playing now is just the more, you know, AAA stuff from the bigger publishers and bigger developers. Although I will say that the eShop and, you know, the democratization of indie games has been awesome for that because those yeah. games. All that weird th- that stuff w- is available to everyone now. Yeah, it's all so that easy. weird stuff doesn't like maybe I'm selling myself short. Like maybe I have downloaded all kinds of weird stuff from the eShop over the last three years, but like. In general, yeah, just the free switch games alone are, are the weirdest imports you could ever imagine. <laughs> yeah. Plus, so, plus, plus your stint with the Apple Arcade, too. Yeah. 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 You know, you're right. You're right. I take it all back. Strike, strike <laughs> all that for the record. I like um, your career took you right into being a casual gamer. It was like yeah. you're going to cover mobile games. Yeah. Well, I think it was uh, I think it was my daughters that took me right into being a <laughs> casual gamer. Well, that um, too. But you were um, a mobile editor. Yeah, I was a mobile games editor. Um, and, and the other thing was, when I was a kid, um, I didn't have a PC to play games on. And mm. those were all games that I, uh, I'm i like, man, these sound incredible, like Baldur's Gate and mm. Fallout 1 and 2. And um, But I didn't have any opportunity to play them. I wasn't a computer gamer. And so that's one thing that has changed, is now I am a big PC gamer. And uh, I was right. I do love all those CRPGs. Mm. Um and I knew I would as a kid and was like, I like wanted to play them so bad, but couldn't. And uh, as an adult, you know, having the opportunity to get whatever gaming equipment I want, it's been, um, I've been very much proven right. And those are now some of my favorite games of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for the most part, I like the same types of games as I did when I was a kid. But I think as I've gotten older, gaming has become less and less social for me. So like as a kid, I had friends in the neighborhood and we'd get together and we'd play all sorts of uh NES games, and even if they weren't multiplayer, we would pass the controller back and forth, like play till you die, and then pass the controller, do stuff like that. And then in college and early 20s, uh, when I had like ro- my friends or my roommates, we were all about split screen multiplayer games like Perfect Dark, 
Halo, Time Splitters, or even like Rival Schools, all that. We that we all the time we were playing those sorts of games. But then, like today, I literally never play a video game with anyone else. It's a, entirely a solo uh, experience after the kid and the wife are in bed, just completely well, by myself. You, you did when we were in an office together. Right. Yeah, that would be the time in which yeah. we do it. Yeah, but it's, in terms of like my own personal gaming time at home. Yeah, you gotta you gotta play Ding Dong XL against the crew. Yeah, I miss Ding Dong XL. <laughs> Come October, one. we should play Back for Blood together. Yeah, that would be a good that one to, sound, to play together. Uh, okay, this is Rory Burns, age 42, in Missoula, Montana. Rory asks, will arcades survive the pandemic? After the lessons learned about how easy it is to spread some germs, I will be hesitant about going to an arcade because of how much you and the other people touch constantly, as if that's the point of them. What are your thoughts? What measures can arcades take to make them seem less germy? What would it take for you to go back to one? And Sam, I'm sure this question hits home for you. Yeah, I've been... Uh in and out of my arcade where I have, you know, 10, 15 machines at all times. And there's like 75 machines there. Usually Um, it's been closed all year. Uh, It's been amazing having an arcade I can go to by myself, by the way, it's, it's incredible. Uh, You know, and like I work on games there and, 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 you know, help out, but yeah, so it's open now, uh, this, this arcade and it's, uh, you know, limited capacity. What's lucky about it is that this one, which would be nice for all arcades to have, has a giant garage door at two ends of it, basically. Mm-hmm. It's like it's completely open air when you want it to be. And we know that's helpful. But, um, yeah, in terms of, like, uh, 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 that survivability was only possible because that arcade is run by an artist and a screen printer that uh, has a very successful separate business, right? If you're just an arcade, like, you, would, I don't know how you'd get by this year. And so that's how he got by, him and his wife, uh, they got by. And um, now they can reopen stuff. So what's going to have to happen going forward is not only like arcades figuring out, you know, open air stuff, but cleanliness. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that's been a really interesting thing. We've had to figure out like what type of solvents are safe on games. Yeah. Um, What, you know, like arcade machines can actually take a lot more because they have like a big control panel than like pinball, which sometimes is screen printed on the sides, just like bare paint with maybe clear coat over it, that kind of stuff. Um, there's an attendant there at all times that's doing that wipe downs and doing that cleaning. And that that's actually been the case from before. So yeah, that that's like something we're always thinking about. There has to be, you know, that arcade is in the Haight Ashbury where let me tell you, there are not usually public bathrooms, mm-hmm. right? Because there's just like a lot of um, tourism. So there's a lot of uh, street traffic and like, it just becomes a hassle for businesses to have, public restrooms mm-hmm. so there's actually like public restrooms down there so free gold watch that arcade actually has one and it's like kept really nice and for the for the purposes of people going in there and washing their darn hands you know yeah and so that's something that's like really encouraged and like again screen printing shop they have big artistic signs that say wash your hands stuff like that and so it's gonna have to be a, a like a culture shift that like frankly i've always wanted like <laughs> it's hard for me to work in an arcade because i really am a, a avid a health a hand washer and really careful about that already so really tried to push that arcade in that direction as it was and so you know i think we're going to come out better than that but in terms of arcade surviving they're going to have to have had a separate business this whole time and then going forward like even in these like next couple months like they have to be basically open air or it's going to be really hard for people to go play games safely until they're vaccinated mm-hmm. scary 
They could just relocate to Texas where no one cares about the whole open air thing and they're all <laughs> inside yeah. indoors with doors closed. Yeah. Yep. And I know a lot of people have been dragging games out into streets, which I think is super mm. cool. Uh, this uh, other arcade in town, Outer Orbit, friends of mine, they have um, a, a great bank of pinball machines in the mission and they'll drag their machines like out on the street so people can come by and play, um, you know, without lining up kind of near their outdoor patio, which I thought was really cool. Um, yeah, not that general... moving pinball machines is easy. <laughs> I think um, if, if, if an arcade has had a secondary stream of income or whatever has been managed to survive this long and hold on, um, I think that they're going to come back and be bigger than they've been in some time. I think people like really, music, right? Like people yeah. like will want to be around that and yep. together so mm -hmm. much. I hope so. I mean, so outside I, of a business interest, I think movie theaters and arcades and concerts and anywhere where people are congregating restaurants, um, you know, if, if those businesses can hold on for another three, four, six months until, um, until more of the world is vaccinated, I think that they'll experience some of their best years in, mm -hmm. in some time as people, uh, you know, understand more now what they missed in mm -hmm. the time where they were forced to stay home. Yeah, that's that's a hopeful thought. I hope that happens. This is Oren Hansen. Say, first time, long time. I was listening to last week's episode, and the team was talking about the all digital E3 for 2021 and if it is still relevant or not. I wanted to send you the reason why I'm excited that there will be an E3 this year. Ever since Xbox moved their presentation to Sunday, a group of friends and myself created an event that we call E3BQ. We meet up at one of our <laughs> houses on that Sunday before the show and hang out. I love it. Play cornhole, talk video games, and grill up a bunch of food. Then we stuff our faces till we can't eat anymore and watch the Xbox press conference. Then we get some more food and talk about what was shown. We always have a really good time and look forward to it every year. We were not able to have our E3BQ in 2020, but we can in 2020, and that really means a lot to us. I know IGN makes a big deal out of E3 because, well, it's kind of your job, but I was curious if you have heard of other people making an event out of E3. <clears throat> Thanks for making the only video game podcast out there. I look forward to it every week. I love that. I, I actually Thank did you. the same thing. There was one year that I took off of being like a full-time, um, you know, media games journalist. Uh, and so that one year, because I do the same thing with the Game Awards, because the Game mm. Awards are obviously a coverage opportunity for us. There's mm. a lot of news drops mm. and trailers and announcements. Um, but there was in this one year that I took off, I still wanted to hang out with my fellow video gamer professionals, whatever else. And I flew over to L.A. anyway, and they didn't even have like a specific presence there, but hung out with a bunch of people and watched it digitally. And we just, you know. Um, co uh, had conversations about the announcements in person instead of just texting things or tweeting things. And it was nice to share in that energy uh, with friends alongside you. Mm. So I like it. I dig it. Yeah. Yeah. Very, I love we, it. There's such a good name too. E3BQ. That's yeah. awesome. Very, I, that's so good. And <laughs> I love, love grilling too. So yeah. that's awesome. I think I want to steal E3BQ. E3BQ. Um, yeah. We we work incredibly hard over E3, and it's equal parts like dread and excitement. So I think I've described it before, but it it's a little bit of an E3 BQ for us at IGN too. Um, <laughs> you know, we're we work in different offices in different cities or states, and in E3, everyone comes together for a central purpose and single reason, and we all love video games. And so even though we have work to do, like there's still obviously that excitement of um, of uh, going through a shared experience with friends and, and all getting hyped together. Yeah. I'll of give course. you a little behind the scenes thing that you might not know about IGN. Uh, whenever there's uh, any type of streaming, like 
pretty much Nintendo Directs onwards uh, in the office. We actually all sit down and watch it together. Yeah, we, uh, you know, I'll take some time to make sure we have it up on a big screen that we can, you know, all listen to it from a central place. And there's there's a news team that's working on it, and they might you know, use headphones, but sometimes they don't, and sometimes it's like everybody has their role and we're watching and uh you know taking notes or helping the news team it's like it's just really fun and like communal watching of game events is totally great love everything about it yeah miss it yeah Yeah. there's always great energy when you're actually at like the live microsoft press conference but in the ign war room at e3 when everyone's there together it's that same sort of excitement and we're all reacting in real time and like shouting Mm -hmm. and cheering and Mm -hmm. because we're you know it's still really really exciting for all of us as well yeah, we've occasionally recorded each other getting yeah. very excited at announcements and <laughs> published it on our Twitter feed. So be sure to like and subscribe and all that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, one more quick email before we get to <clears throat> video game 20 questions. This is Justin Runge. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. He says, longtime listener, occasional mailer, and serious Jayhawk here. Actually, I'm, I'm on the University of Kansas marketing team. I had to write Whoa. in mm. to super quickly explain Rock Chuck. Oh, gosh. Pre-20th century, KU's chant was just a boring old rah-rah Jayhawk, but the geology club changed it to rock chalk because the campus is built on chalk rock, native limestone. What dorks? Justin's words. Well, first of all, geologists rule, and that (laughs) campus is like the only hill anywhere in that area. (laughs) And the reason for that is a lot of Midwest colleges are built on hills like that is because that land is useless to farmers. So that when if there's one rocky rock chalk mountain they build the university there it's like that everywhere in the midwest i love it it's pretty good we um he says real quick teddy roosevelt said it was the best college chant oh wow Wow. it must get that roosevelt bump (laughs) it must be true known known uh college chant uh you know expert and enthusiast teddy roosevelt yeah yeah (laughs) um sam the hyvee in iowa city is where i got my covid vaccine Still, <laughs> it's still standing. They're no longer. Well, let me ask you. So, the High V is the is the grocery store. the The Walgreens equivalent next door was always called Drug Town. Yeah, it's still Drug Town. <laughs> it's still Drug Town. Yeah, that's the coolest name. Yeah. I think that's so great. Going down to Drug Town. Yeah, they're they're probably not renting NES games anymore. But mm. you know, you never you never know for sure around here. So it was that go. one, and then there was a rental store downtown by the university uh, called uh, That's Rentertainment. Yep, that still exists too. Come well, on! I mean, they may have shut down in like the last year, but it was still around within <laughs> recent memory. That's fantastic. Uh, Sam says, anywho, I'd be glad to grab a drink on the bourgeois pig patio when any Omega Cop is in Lawrence. That's where we had a beer. That's, I was going to ask you, is that where you and I were That's last time? Okay. You and I had a beer in Lawrence. <laughs> and that brings us to video game 20 questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Midwest Nick. Let the questioning <laughs> begin. Hmm, we got to think about the meta. Is yeah, that the a, meta. Is that a given nickname? Like, <laughs> That's how you... I don't, want to be Midwest, I don't want to be Midwest <laughs> Justin. I don't care for that. Yeah. Okay. I think we have to win this one, first of all. Like say, we, we've had some bad losses recently, so... He does have a I little, think I think we can get it. He has a little intro statement. He says, 
As always, thank you so much for keeping us up to date on all the latest scoops. Fridays are my biggest gaming day of the week, but I always turn everything off, silence the phone, and lock the doors so I can focus on literally <laughs> the only video game podcast around. Are the doors week. normally unlocked? <laughs> like, what doors is he locking? Like the doors to his like office? or I like room? it. Can, she, she, she consider a scoop a cue. <laughs> Lock your I door mean, anyway, man. You don't want people just walking in your house. Let anybody so come in. That's a thing. There's there's some neighborhoods where it's so chill. Everybody's front door is just by by default unlocked. I don't oh, I don't I, know if in 2021 oh, no. that's a thing, but that's definitely been a thing in some. My doors were always unlocked as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think as a kid, but okay. it was well, very yeah, strange. Was I didn't the, feel good about the, it. That was the 90s. <laughs> was the, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let the questioning begin. Um. Is this part of a series? And I have a follow-up. <laughs> Wait, no. What? <laughs> I have a follow-up question. Good. Um, <laughs> is this a part of a series? I'm going to say no. Oh. After giving a little bit of thought to that. Are you going to say no because That's the answer tricky. is no? <laughs> He's going to say no just to throw us off. Well, because my next question was going to be, like, is it an arc Or, like, does it... Was it once an arcade franchise? Because that's the only meta I can think of we talked about arcades. Mm, mm. I'm going to back off. So you can say, was this an arcade game? I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that Damon, is it? it, Sorry. Okay. We can ask that first. No, Justin, you go. Because I feel not confident about Damon's response to that question. (laughs) Damon, is this a spinoff of a series or something Mm. that's affiliated with, you know, a series of games? Uh, No. (laughs) See, it's confusing. (laughs) That is confusing. Then what do you mean I'm going to say no? (laughs) Yeah. Is it part of a series? (laughs) Well, maybe we'll like a character. I was thinking like Link's crossbow training. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But it could also be a character from a mainline series that mm-hmm. was but that would have been spin-off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh did this come out before the year 2000? No. Is this game okay. can you can you play this game on your Nintendo Switch? No. Is was this a, a console exclusive? No. That's five. So it's multi-platform, but not not Nintendo, or at least not Switch. Correct. Uh, is there is there multiplayer in this game? No. Okay. Is this, this? Go ahead. I just need the years more. Is this from after two thousand ten? Yes. Okay. So that. That leaves what PS3 generation or PS4 generation? Mm-hmm. Is this game on the on the PS4 and Xbox One generation of consoles? Yes. Wait, what generation did you ask? PS4 and Xbox One. Mm-hmm. But did it actually come out before those? Wait, is that that's your question? Mm-hmm. Did it come out before the Xbox One and PS4 generation? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. No. Okay. So it released in that generation. That's actually a good way to ask that. We just, just be <laughs> yeah. It that did way. it release? Yeah. Right. Like the whole backward compatibility thing. What are we doing? Confuses everything now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's the way to do it. We're never going to remember that. We <laughs> no, will. we will. Okay. We always remember our our evolutions in the twenty questions game. I think it takes like six months. Um, so that that technically counts. All right. What do we got? So. It's multi-platform. No multiplayer. No multi. So single player, let's say. Yeah. 
Correct. Um, <laughs> right? That's the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> what else uh, do we know? And it came PS- out... PS4, Xbox One generation. It's not mm-hmm. on the Switch. Uh, not a series, not exclusive, And not, not part of a series. Was this uh, game ma- made in Japan? No. That's 10. Was, was it well-received? Um, <clears throat> it was well-received by some people. Okay, so it's like a cult classic, maybe, but it was, didn't do well enough to get a sequel. Clearly, it could. Is it Deadly Premonition? <laughs> I don't know. It, that doesn't match many of our criteria, as far <laughs> as I know. It's just the only cult classic I can think of. Is this an indie game? No. Mm. Actually, uh oh. I don't. I don't. Mm. I don't like. It's like what? What makes something an indie game? Were Insomniac games indie games before they were acquired? Not if they were published by, you know, Sony. Well, I don't know. Like, are Activision games indie games? No. Well, no. I don't think so either. But like, where, where <laughs> no. do you where definitively know? Where do you draw, no. do you draw the line? It's, the, it's I think the blurry budget. line you're looking for is CD Projekt Red because they publish their own. Yeah. G- yeah. Game. Indie games are not published by major publishers. Like how big does someone like are like Devolver games are indie games, but what if Devolver was twice as big as it is now? People yeah, indie, that's indie true. Indie is an attitude and a state of mind. It's less about the size Ish. of the, I I kind of consider it like a marketing budget. Like what's yeah. your marketing budget? It's like, like, it's like CPR had a huge marketing budget. Yeah, that's smart. It's and like a all, deal all with rock. Xbox for their marketing budget. So even though they weren't technically the publishers, they still had a really connected marketing deal with CD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like THQ coming back, like they have a giant marketing budget and they treat themselves like they're they're a AAA studio again. But like they had to build themselves back up and being pretty indie for a while. What um, about what about what, EA what was that research? Indie games. <laughs> I, I'm going to stick with my answer of no. Did I cool. ask if it was made in Japan? I did. And yes. It's not. And it was no. no. Yeah. Do you play as a human? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is it in the third person perspective? No. Oh. First person human game. Could be the witness. Or, or a strategy game. <laughs> Uh, oh, well, I mean, okay. Is it a first-person shooter? Um, that's not the genre you put it in, although there is first-person shooting in it. And that's 15. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, it, it's not an indie game, but like Mirror's Edge matches that description. Or Borderlands or something, or RPG one. I would call Borderlands an FPS, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Far Cry 2, right? It'd be like some Telltale games where you sometimes shoot in the first-person perspective, but very rarely. Mm-hmm. So it could be a first-person point-and-click yeah, shooty elements. But those games aren't mostly played in the first-person perspective. And like that was the first question, was like, is right. it a first-person game? And the answer was yes. What's up with the critical reception of this? That seems weird. Like, some people... What really was the like answer? To... Oh, yeah. Meaning, oh, yeah. Meaning it didn't review well, I assume, but... There were like a cult of people that liked it. What if the series answer was because there's still a game coming out? Like it has a seat. We could ask if there's a sequel on the way for it. Mm. Let me see. 
I, yeah, I, but if it, if it didn't, if it wasn't received super well, the likelihood of it getting a sequel—that's like the Shenmue conundrum, though. It's like who wanted Shenmue, and then people were like four people were like I did, and then they keep making them. It could be Prey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> one of four, yeah. one out of every four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think, Prey. um, I think, I think the does this have a sequel coming out? Might be the answer to his weird sly. Is this part of a series? I'm gonna go with yes. Well, Prey is a really interesting example because it's like kind of part of a series, but not really, and it's not really yeah. a spinoff either. It's just yeah. adapted mm-hmm. from. I was, yeah, that's all. That's good. actually pretty perfect. Mm-hmm. But there's lots game. of shooty. So, yeah, but yeah. there's lots of like shooting in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots and lots and lots. It's got that glue gun too, go too though. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about uh, Portal? Is, should we? Is this a sci-fi game? Yes, that's what I was thinking. First person sci-fi, sometimes shooty. So I wouldn't really count. I guess Portal has a sequel, so it can't be Portal. Right. Plus, it sounded like he was saying you shoot in elements, like you shoot in levels or scenes, but not usually for the whole game. So what's a non-shooty? Or that that the main component of the game is like exploration and puzzle solving, but but sometimes you're just like, I got to, you know, shoot the thing in this room. So like yeah, Deus Ex fits that, except um, it's obviously part of a franchise. Yeah. Sci-fi themed. Came out last gen. How can we start narrowing this? I guess I, I love Prey. Like I love it for this. Like it's it's really good. Maybe enemies or other gameplay activity. I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, because if you're not shooting all the time, there's got to be something else. Exploration puzzles. What do you? Yeah. Um, should we go back to the meta? Exploration's good. We never ask about that. Like, what, is this game about exploration? Or would you, first of all, would you call Prey an open world game? It kind of is, right? You you can yeah. skip to the end. I would probably say yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, you can jump around a map. It's not linear, right? No. That's true. Yeah. Sorry, is this a non-linear guess. game? Yes. I don't think it's Prey, though. Why? Okay. Because of the shooty thing. Is this made by Bethesda? No. Aw. Well, that's that. <laughs> <laughs> that was too specific a question I burned. No, no. It's, we've, it we would have just kept going for it. You, you, it's totally Prey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's you, have You have one question and a guess. Oh, shoot. Oh, boy. Oh, man. I think... I, I would still say enemy question. Well, it's yeah. sci-fi, right? I would, so. I would think The Witness, except there's no shooting in that game of any kind. Mm-hmm. And it was universally well-received, I guess. Right. Yeah, so I guess we can think about controversial first-person sci-fi games that came out in the PS4 era. What about, like, walking simulators? Do you shoot in any of those? Or do you shoot someone at the end of Dear Esther? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. You don't. <laughs> Well, I think we can get this if it's a, if it's a game with a with a game coming out soon that uh, or, or like that was announced and that would explain his very first as as part of a series issue. Yeah. No, because if there's a game announcement that makes it part of a series officially, I would say if I were Damon, I would have said yes to that question. It, I just don't know if you hesitated because, like, what if the game gets canceled, or what if it is a vaporware sequel? Already, yes, but under our current understanding, it would be most accurate. I would say. Hmm. Okay. So enemies. Oh no. oh no, Damon made a sound. 
It means it's the opposite. We know it's He's a sci-fi game. A lot. I wish we knew what kind of sci-fi game it was. Well, we have one question. I don't know how much that would really help me. I'm just kind of like, are there any, I was trying to think about like zombies. But Yeah, that's what I was thinking on the, along the lines of an enemy type. Yeah. Yeah. But we'd have to. Are the enemies you kill alive that eliminates robots, zombies, and vampires? Well, unless the robots are sentient, because then I would call them alive. <laughs> They're definitely cold metal still. What about they something like um, second-class citizens? Robots. What about like a down? <laughs> <laughs> this is what caused, started this whole thing. <laughs> what about a Quantic Dream game? That's what I was just going to say. What about that like, Android game they released? Yeah, like you guys mentioned, <laughs> sentient robots. Um, Detroit. So, like, yeah, Detroit. Detroit. That's human. the one. Is there? I can't remember if there are shooty moments. Mm-hmm. There usually oh, are, right? Probably. Yeah. It might be that one. It's probably because yeah, that would make it, sense for the series thing. It's and that like it wasn't super well received, but yeah. some people liked it. It's not. It's not part of a. It's not part of a series at all, right? Do you want to shoot this robot baby or not? Is there a? Uh, is there a Detroit? Sequel on the horizon. What type of game is Detroit? Is that an adventure? Yeah. I don't know. It's just a narrative. <laughs> it's me. a narrative adventure. I mean, it's a hard no, not part of a series, but like, I, you know, maybe there's some weird Easter eggy thing that ties it into whatever. Who knows? Like yeah. a former Quantic Dream. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was thinking the same thing. Something we just don't remember. It's also mm-hmm. timely. It's part of the meta, right? Is that is game even? Is that game even first person? I, I played this entire game and I <laughs> am having a hard time remembering. I just I remember the story map screen that shows yeah. Yeah. every choice. I stared you more at And that. also, don't yeah. you play as don't you, you don't play as a human in that, don't you? Don't you play as the robot? Uh, you play as like three characters. So, oh, does this game have robots in it? Uh, AI, 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 AI in it. Well, but every game I guess has AI in it. Yeah, maybe. Get it? What? what? Get it? <laughs> Can you clarify your question? I think robots count as what's in Detroit Become Human. I think so, too. Sure. With that understanding, Damon, (laughs) are there robots in it? They're not not humans born of humans. Mm. We're on the wrong path here. (laughs) Yeah, clearly. Are there Uh robots in it? (sighs) Yes, I think the answer is yes. Oh, man. Well, but it's not Detroit, then. Uh, We're boned. (laughs) Why? Why? Because he hesitated. Yeah, he heard. <laughs> it's not like Damon wasn't in the room for that whole deliberation we just did. It's true. I'm okay, trying to it read is, him. Is, the time has come for the guess. Okay. We should just guess Detroit anyway. Okay. Is there a different robot game? Is there a different? What about like? Uh, Wait, did you say yes or no in the end to that one? Yes. Yeah, it's got robots yes. in it. Well, though, that at least narrows it down. What are other not super well-received but likable to some robot games Man. from the PS4 era? Man, I don't know. I don't know. I give up. <laughs> Shall I robot reveal the answer? Sci-fi. Is Sam going to yeah. find yeah. it? Yeah. Sam's searching the mind palace. <laughs> I'm not going to get it, though. I, I should have I, I, I'm too. There's too little information. Okay. I'm going to reveal it. And you guys got really close. Uh, With that, any any uh, any guess? No, any adjustments? Really close? I mean, maybe it's the other game that they released last generation that starred. Um, maybe uh, it's Telltale. Elliot, Elliot, Elliot Page game. It I is the name. It is Cyberpunk 
2077. Oh. Ugh. That game's totally a shooter. It's yeah. A, the, the, the indie discussion. It's an RPG where, you know, but it's not like a first person shooter like Call of Duty. Well, right? that's, I mean, that's, I tried to help you. I tried not to, I say, yeah. Okay. That's not I like get the, the series thing now. In, but there is first person shooting in it. Man, I even thought about that at the beginning of this 20 questions, too. And then for some reason, I dismissed it. <laughs> What's Probably the meta probably. here? It's not always a meta. Not always. Well, damn that's it. really rude. But uh, the meta is me uh, I was so focused on Sam that. did <laughs> say <laughs> CD Projekt. And then that's why I was like, about the oh, indie question. <laughs> I was about to actually change uh, course and say, actually, it is technically an indie game. But then based on your discussion of how you would define it, I, mm-hmm. I stuck with no. I stand I by. also always just assume that it's not going to be something we've played semi-recently. I know. Isn't that funny? Me it's too. It's like an inherent bias. Yeah. We, yep. I think I think indie is a frame of mind and an attitude and a genre more so than the actual provenance of the game. When you have when you have EA spotlighting and publishing indie games, and they're the biggest company on earth. It's like, wh- <laughs> like then what does indie mean? Are you serious with the hesitation on the robot answer? Uh, he was trying, trying to throw us off of the st- that don't. There have are any- hella robots in that game. Yeah, uh, that are, game is just like a ninety nine percent robot. Like every single thing, augmented humans. The, like those exist too. Yeah, like that's what I was always yeah. fighting. But there's the robot taxi driver. <laughs> that's what I thought of. That's what made me. Yeah. That's what I remembered, and I was like, yeah. I mean, there's probably robot toasters. Like everything's a robot in that. Well, okay. All right. But that's why I hesitated on the is it part of a series? Mm-hmm. Weren't Not there like yet. robot prostitutes? Mm-hmm. I think there were robot prostitutes. <clears throat> let's, let's, uh, I don't think I, I visited any. Hundred. What are the What are the people that are covered in gold in that game? Hmm? There's people oh, yeah. that are just 100% gold skin. Are they like data? They're like, yeah, I don't know if they're replicated or if they're people that actually got some kind of treatment. I never got that explained to me in the course of that. Sure it wasn't a glitch? <laughs> <laughs> Always could be. Anyway, thank you for your suggestion. Midwest Nick, you got him. Uh, if anyone out there has their own suggestions for video game 20 questions, email them to me at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. That is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Thank you to Tina. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Thank Justin. You. Thank you to Marian working behind the scenes to make the show possible. My name is Damon. Here's to another 15 years of Game Scoop, and we're out. Indeed. Cheers. there this is justin bartha i made a funny new podcast king of the egg cream it has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like lewis black i'm torn by my feelings for two women bobby cannavale you can eat it 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.